Joe, the time is appreciated. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Can't complain. We got a rainy Wednesday yeah. here uh, here down on the plains near Atlanta, waiting to see what this Braves delay is going to look like. So uh, it, it's a rainy day, but uh, we know that uh, you're going to brighten the days for us, if I can get a little punny here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we had some rain here as well, too. But, uh, you know, week six, fantasy football upon us. I know the Thursday night game is going to be stinker, so we'll just ignore that. And, uh you know, this is the time to actually spend with your girlfriends and wives and make them feel special. This is what, <laughs> this is what Amazon asked for. I mean, that was the plan when Amazon uh, got this game. They're like, all right, uh, men of America, this is your one opportunity to actually look good for all your significant others. Let's take advantage of it by uh, put, putting the commanders and bears on free football. Yeah, no, we have to absolutely take advantage of that tomorrow. That is pro advice. You know, people can get advice from you each and every week on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports, but that's yeah. advice enough for what to expect this week. Let's talk about week five, though, Joe. If, if there was one individual performance that was greater than any of the others, what would it be? I guess the the Josh Allen stuff, right, 387, four yards and three quarters, that, that's kind of, not that you're expecting that from Josh Allen, but you're not exactly surprised to see that type of box score. Uh, Gabe Davis finally doing Gabe Davis stuff was pretty nice. I guess I'll answer with Travis Kelsey. Not that the four touchdowns is surprising, but to be under 50 receiving yards, whatever it was, uh, for, for all the game or whatever, that, that, that was actually a shocker to me. To see the Chiefs utilize Kelsey to that extent, we really haven't had happen before. Uh, and it's, again, confirmation that there is not one guy that is going to be the guy for the Chiefs at any given week. And I think Travis Kelsey was the recipient of the, the, the focus this week. Yeah, the four touchdowns is just so crazy. And, and it being in a Monday night game when you've got all the eyeballs on and everyone's watching this game. And, of course, you know the football is going to go to Kelsey. And he just delivers each and every time. The chemistry over the years with Mahomes is absolutely special. That's where I kind of figured you would go. But a game that not as many people were glued into nationally was a game that was played between the Saints and the Seahawks. And tell me about this Taysom Hill performance that just came out of absolutely nowhere, Joe. Yeah, I mean, that's another big one, too. We actually talked about him on the Wave Aware podcast last week. It's kind of like a, hey, if you need a tight end, you might as well consider him. Uh, and, in fact, with Kyle Pitts out, I was like, yeah, I, you know, I, I need to have a tight end. And uh, Tyson, I'm sorry, Taysom Hill is a tight end in most fantasy formats right now. Okay, so great. You play Taysom Hill. You're going to have this massive game. It really felt like um, it, I saw, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in 15 leagues this year. I think it probably 13 or 12 of them. There was at least somebody who got 200 plus points, and it wasn't it wasn't uh, just random superflex scoring or PPR. It couldn't have been, it was any any type of scoring possible. Somebody at least scored 200. Every single one of those lineups had Taysom Hill as their tight end, and I can guarantee about half of them were in the same spot I was with Kyle Pitts. It's like, well, I don't know, I don't have anybody else tight end. Might as well put Taysom Hill in there. I actually think you look at the Saints and what they're dealing with right now. James Winston, we still don't know his status. Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, and Jarvis Landry all were not at practice Wednesday. I would imagine something changes between now and Sunday when it comes to all three of their pass catchers. But if all three of those guys are out, I have no idea what the Saints offense does other than Taysom Hill. And I don't know if it's passing or running or receiving. It will be a Taysom Hill game. Uh, I find that really fascinating. So I think he does have fantasy viability and, like, must start fantasy viability in the tight end position at least this week, depending on uh, how the injury situation goes for the Saints. And uh, Joe, looking at the Cowboys and Rams game from Week Five, um, it kind of seems like their entire offense is is Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup, and a little bit of Tyler Higby on the side. Um, that being said, does it seem like this? It's officially time to pull the plug on those that were really high 
on on Allen Robinson. Yeah, I, I I think so too, and and it's been shocking to me. I will continue to say that if this is the plan for the Rams to utilize Cooper Cup twenty targets a game, he will not make it through the the season healthy. Just like that's that's preposterous per game target numbers that we've never seen before in the NFL. Um, I know Cooper Cup did that at times last year, but if it's a consistent game by game thing where he is going to be the focal point. It doesn't matter. Um, it, it, at some point, he's going to get injured, and that has to be concerned. Obviously, you can't trade him because Cooper Cup's been insane. I think right now, if you do the redrafts today, he's either number one or two overall fantasy wise, yeah. and for good reason. It's, but it, this this cannot be sustainable across an 18 game season, much less a 17 uh, game season, which is kind of historical. We're basing off of a lot of this information. I don't know why they can't get Allen Robinson involved. I, I, I truthfully don't. I have so much. Um, Faith, I guess, maybe the word, but I, I have um, a lot of admiration for Sean McVay as a coach and as a coordinator. I think he is one of the very best in the league. When you can't get Allen Robinson involved in your offense and you need a second person involved, that lowers my status of your of your play calling responsibilities a little bit. Like I, I, there, there is something wrong, not in Denmark, but in Los Angeles, and I think that there is going to be some. Uh, Issues that they're going to have to correct either in a bye week or maybe they go ahead and you know, flex that LA status and get another star receiver at some point to you know a coop of somebody else. I don't know. I like DJ Moore and the Panthers stink. What if they one got DJ Moore? I don't know what picks they'd be able to do to to make that. But like this is a problem, and I don't know how it gets solved because Ben Skoronek is not going to be your answer as your number two receiver. And I think as a result, we're seeing what happens when Cooper Cup is the focus. The Rams are are two and three and really not looking like uh, playoff contenders, much less Super Bowl contenders that they entered the season as. Tom isn't here today, but a couple weeks ago he asked you a question that was along the lines of when do you start to reassess uh, players and when do you kind of start to change the way that you think about certain guys? And you said you kind of take the season in fourths and kind of go every four games, every four games. I know we're five games in now, but what are some of the guys that you have changed your thinking on both positively and negatively from when the season started? Yeah, Saquon Barkley is the biggest one. Not that he just decimated my Packers uh, last week, as he did, but I, I was just completely wrong in him. And I was talking with a friend earlier. Really, if you drafted in the back end of the first round, and I'm thinking like nine or ten or later, and you didn't take Diggs and you didn't take Barkley, you're probably upset with the selection that you had. It just has not been consistent. You got running back a wide receiver. Maybe you got Kelsey back there, and that was a smart call, or you jumped ahead for a quarterback like Josh Allen. Okay, but for the most part, those guys just have not been great. Um, Saquon Barkley clearly is healthy. The Giants are a, a good team. I, I'm not. I don't believe they're good enough to be four and one, but that's the schedule that they presented. Uh, that that being said, anyway, Saquon Barkley has been fantastic, and I think he is easily among the top five redraft options right now. Uh, Nick Chubb, same way, right? I mean, he and Barkley are leading the rushing category by a pretty significant margin. Um, I, I was fine with Nick Chubb in the second or third round. It just never made sense to draft him there, um, and that's proving to be pretty silly. So. Those two are obviously the ones that are higher. Even when he mostered, I guess I wasn't high on mostered at all. I thought uh, Chase Edmonds was one of, my, one of those like five or six round five and later running backs that I loved a lot. I thought he'd be fantastic. And mostert has just pushed him out the door completely. Uh, I think Mostert right now is running back two uh, status for your team moving forward as long as he stays healthy. And that's the big if for him. So a lot of running back changes. I guess um, Najee Harris has just been an absolute disappointment for me, and I've had to draft him in a few spots. Allen Robinson was the same way. I thankfully avoided him. I'm a little worried about Keenan Allen, too. We've had three consecutive weeks now where the Chargers said he was day-to-day, and he hasn't played. 
It's a hamstring injury. You know how bad hamstring injuries can be in the NFL. And again, he was just working on the side with the trainers. At what point do you get concerned that you've missed a month of Keenan Allen and you're drafting him in the fifth round? I don't, I don't think he changed things, and I think the Chargers' offense is so good where when Keenan Allen comes back, you figure he'd be healthy. That is a bit of a surprise to me and has been a downgrade for sure. Let's take a look at some of the top matchups going into Week Six. You got to start with the battle of four and one teams, the Chiefs and the Bills. When you look at the battle of quarterbacks here, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, are you expecting big performances from these guys? Or given the hype and the circumstances, maybe we'll see more of a defensive effort in this one. How do you see this playing out, uh, both as a result on the field and then also from the fantasy perspective with these quarterbacks? The over-under for this is 54 points. Just to put this in perspective, I don't think I've seen one higher than 51.5 or 52 uh, through the first six weeks of the season. I think the hype is justified. Obviously, this is the AFC Division round rematch, and everyone's going to talk about how great that was. That was one of the best playoff games of all time. I don't I don't think they could possibly replicate that because it was so good and the stakes were so high. I don't think there's going to be much defense. I mean, the Bills' secondary is still reeling. They have a lot of injuries in that area. They've gotten more healthy along the defensive front. Ed Oliver came back last week, and I think that made a big difference. But the Steelers are also tremendously bad. So I'm not, I'm not like, uh, running to say, hey, the Bills' defense is completely back just because they whooped up on Kenny Pickett uh, and the Steelers. I, and the same token, right? You had, I mean, the Raiders should have won that game Monday night. There's there many reasons why the Chiefs were in a position to lose, the refs being one of them. But the Raiders should have won that game. Obviously, they didn't. That defense is not great, and I think will continue to not be great. The reason I think there is offense involved and why, if I was a betting guy, I, I would take the over. I don't feel great about it, but I would consider it is because I don't know if these teams want to show each other what they could really do to stop the other. Is there really incentive in week five of the season when both teams are 4-1 and one to go ahead and put out all the stops? Maybe, right? You could say they're, they're competing for the number one seat, but for wins, this would be on the better path because of the tiebreaker. I just think that's too long of a season and coaches are too smart nowadays to really tip their tricks. So I would not be surprised, not that they're playing shell preseason defense by any means, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are some tricks up both teams' sleeves come the playoffs that they are not going to tip off and show in this Week 5 matchup. Interesting line of thinking. I hadn't really considered that, but I do think there's some validity to that because you're right. It's a, it's a good point. Why give away uh, you know, our best stuff when we could potentially be matched up in the playoffs once again? I like that. All right, let's do one more. Uh, Sunday night, we got a big one. 5-0 and Philly, 4-1 and Dallas. Uh, tell me what you think about the outcome on the field. And then with this one in particular, not necessarily the quarterback battle, but uh, who are some of the players you need to start in this matchup? Yeah, it sounds like one more week of Cooper Rush and then Dak Prescott will be back possibly next week. Again, we did this with Keenan Allen now where I thought he was going to be back last month and it hasn't been. So I'm, I'm not counting it until we see Prescott on the field. And honestly, if the Cowboys beat the Eagles on Sunday night, not sure you can guarantee Dak Prescott is in the lineup anyway if he gets healthy because Cooper Rush, despite what I think limitations he has as a quarterback, has been winning games, and that's the most important thing in the NFL. I, the Eagles are a really good team. I had actually predicted... Uh, on the podcast before the start of the season, I thought they had a very good chance uh, to be the number one seed in the NFC. That was in large part because their schedule was so easy. I did not anticipate the NFC East being good, and despite what I have thoughts on the Cowboys and Giants, they are still good teams. So this is going to be a really interesting matchup to see. And I think for a lot of people, it's a, do we prove that the Eagles are for real? When in reality, I want to see, can the Cowboys pass rush, pass rush be effective in a matchup where Jalen Hurts could and should impact things with his legs. I think this is a prove-it game for the Cowboys' pass rush and Mike McCarthy as opposed to the Eagles. I know that the Eagles are at home. They're favored by six. I get it. Not that they're supposed to take care of business, but this is a NFC East divisional matchup. 
they're always pretty difficult. Can Cooper Rush be consistent? Can you have CD Lamb still be the guy? Can Michael Gallup continue to facilitate or uh, assimilate, I should say, into that offense? Those are all questions I want to see. Um, I don't think really anybody offensively other than CD Lamb and, and possibly Michael Gallup can be successful on that buying Tony Pollard or Ezekiel Elliott. And on the flip side of things, I don't think it will be a good running game for Miles Sanders and the rest of those running backs. I think if the Eagles are to win, it's on the back of A.J. Brown and possibly Dallas Goddard, um, not even so much Devonta Smith, who I think can be covered effectively. And Jalen Hurts has to continue to be the MVP possible quarterback that he has been through the first five weeks of the season. All right, let's pivot really quickly. Joe Bartles here with us from Rotowire. Follow him on Twitter at JB Fantasy Sports. Basketball season gets going next week. Rotowire can help you dominate your fantasy hoops league as well. Uh, let's stay local here, Joe. The Hawks are right up the road. Some of their big stars, Trey Young. We've got the first year of DeJounte Murray joining the mix as well. What's the fantasy outlook for these Hawks? Oh, man, I love DeJounte Murray. So I, I uh, had done a draft, I think we talked about last week, uh, and I was like, that was my guy that I was going to get uh, during the draft at some point. And this was an auction format, so you have the opportunity to get any of these players. And I didn't budget effectively as I thought. And also, there was a ton of people in the room that also had the same thought process I did, so he went way higher than I would have. That been. makes it more <laughs> difficult, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> and, you know, everyone here by the way is smart and knows what we're doing. There's no there's no sleepers in the same way that would be like a friend and family league. I think uh, Shante Murray is going to be a guy that really can be, I don't know, top 25, top 30 in category fantasy. It's not the scoring. I don't I don't anticipate he scores probably more than 15 points per game. In fact, I'll be doing the gambling articles. I'll be taking the under on his scoring quite a bit because you look at the rest of the roster, John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, theoretically health, healthy for now, Bogdanovich when he's able to really get going. There are a lot of scores, and Trey Young, is, I didn't even include him in there. Obviously, he can. I don't think Murray needs to. He can facilitate. He can rebound. And he led the league in steals by a per-game basis by a massive margin. Those are all the reasons why the Hawks traded as much capital as they did for Murray. And I think it was a good, sound play. I like Murray a lot from a from a per-category perspective. And obviously, Trey Young, I think, is top 20 overall. Point guards have been, I've seen, go a lot higher overall. Just Trey Young specifically, but other point guards, too. Um, I don't. I, I don't know if I really share that same sentiment. I think there's some interesting names, um, a little bit lower down that you can have like as sleeper candidates potentially. But you know what you're getting with Trey Young, getting the three pointers, getting the scoring, uh, getting the free throw shooting too. I think it's kind of a, a category that gets ignored often as well. So I love Trey. I love Murray, um, and that's going to be kind of the ones. Hunter burned me. Uh, Hunter burned a lot of people, but burned specifically me last year with how injured he has been. And John Collins, you, you know, you know what you're getting some days. Other days, not so much. And I think Hawks fans are well aware of what, John's, what John Collins is, too. So I think fantasy-wise, it's a, it's a really interesting lineup. I know uh, the rookies sometimes can be pretty far down the list, but Joe, wanted to get your thoughts, since uh, we are in Auburn, of Jabari Smith. Uh, what kind of year you think he can have for Houston? What kind of fantasy impact he can have, given that he is projected to be a pretty good two-way player? Yeah, uh, we have him starting right now for Power Forward uh, with the Rockets. I think that makes sense to me. Um, I love, and we talked about this last week, I love Elprin Sengun. I think he's going to be fantastic. I, I think overall, though, the Rockets are going to be competing uh, in the Wombaya sweepstakes. Oh, I see his last name wrong. But you know what I mean? The, the seven foot three French guy that's LeBron James level hype at the moment. I, I, they're, they are going to be a team bad enough where they're in contention for it, but I don't think that matters from a fantasy perspective. In fact, we have Jabari Smith ranked as top uh, 75 among overall players. Same with uh, Banchero for the, the Magic as well. And also, uh, not, not actually Sharp, sorry, uh, Keegan Murray from the, the Kings. Those three rookies all are in positions, I think, different ways, but all three are in position to be A, starters, B, 
getting quality minutes and growing into that role. Now, I will say, we've seen statistically over the years, rookies don't have a, a lot of an impact in that first month of the season. So if you were to say, I need to make a tough start uh, spot, I would always defer to having a veteran or a guy that you can say, yes, he's getting 10-plus rebounds or 2-plus blocks or whatever over Jabari Smith. But I would, you know, by December, January, that's a guy that's going to be a staple in fantasy lineups and I think consistently uh, a solid option. Let Rotowire help you dominate your fantasy basketball or football league. Rotowire.com backslash free for a 10-day trial. Joe, the time is always greatly appreciated. Thanks again for stopping by, and we'll talk with you next week, okay? Yeah, sounds great, guys. Thanks for having me on.